Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Today, um, we're going to be ministering on the subject of divine healing. Uh, I think it's interesting that about one-third of everything that Jesus did is really around the subject of healing. Now, I do not plan to say anything new today. But Paul said this. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. Sometimes what we think, because we've heard something, really what has happened is the seed has been planted. But just because it's planted doesn't mean you're going to get an increase. It has to be watered. Right. And it takes time for that to grow. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, first, there's the seed. Then there's the blade. Then there's the stalk. Then there's the ear. And then there's the full corn in the ear. And so often we think, well, just because I've heard something, I know something. Right. The truth is this. When it comes to the scripture, we can never get everything out of it. Right. It will cause our faith to keep growing. There is more revelation for us to get. And, and so just because we've heard something doesn't mean, well, I don't need to hear it again, because we do need to hear the word of God again and again and again, even on the same subjects. Right? Now, we're going to be talking about healing. And, and the first thing I want to say is I don't know everything. Right? I, I've been studying healing literally for 50 years. Right? And uh, keep learning, keep growing. Right? I know a whole lot more than I used to know. And uh, if somebody thinks they know everything, let me just tell you right now, they don't. All right? We need to keep on learning, keep on growing. Right? But I'd like to start in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the world. Right? We are in the New Testament age. And the number one way that God is speaking to us, all right, is through Jesus. He spoke to us through his son. Now, notice the third verse. The son perfectly mirrors God. He is the stamp of God's nature. So we can say it like this. Jesus is perfect theology. If you want to know exactly what God is like, look at Jesus. You want to know what the will of God is? Look at Jesus. Right? Now, this is really important because when Jesus came and died on the cross, everything changed. Right? It says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Right? So before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the sins of mankind had not been paid for. Right? And because of that, God held men's sins against them. But when Jesus came, Jesus went to the cross, and the Bible's very clear about this, once. In fact, I'd like everybody to say, once. The Bible says, once for all time. Right? 
And he was a perfect sacrifice. And he paid for your sins, past, present, and future. And you, you, you say, how could he pay for my future sins? Well, you better have paid for your future sins because all your sins were present when he was on the cross. They were all in the future. Right? So Jesus, with that one sacrifice, reconciled us to God. He paid for our sin. And because of that, God is no longer. Somebody said, well, look at the Old Testament. That was before Christ. God is no longer. Right? You want to know exactly what God looks like? Look at Jesus. He is a mirror image of God the Father. He is the exact representation of God the Father. Right? The uh, New King James says, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. Right? He perfectly represents God to us. So Jesus is perfect theology. Acts 10 Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Now, we're going to look at this. What kind of power was it? Well, in Mark 5, a woman comes up, touches his garment. Jesus turns around and says, I felt power go out of me. The power went into the woman and healed the woman, right? Healing power. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good. Um, as we've mentioned before, the, the Greek word there, we get our word philanthropist from that word, right? Uh, Jesus was helping the poor, the downtrodden, the oppressed, the outcast, right? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, right? So when Jesus healed people, they were oppressed of the devil. Now, I know lots of people who believe that God is the author of sickness. But God is not the author of sickness. Right? The devil is the author of sickness. All sickness can be traced back to when Satan, death, and sin entered the world. Right? Sickness does not come from God. Right? Romans 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, death, sin, sickness, disease, war, pestilence, every bad thing you can think of, it came into the world when Satan came into the world, right? Second Corinthians 4, 4 calls him the God, small g, of this world. First John 5, 19 says, we know positively that we're of God and the whole world around us is under the power, the control, the sway of the wicked one. The whole world around us is under the control of who? The wicked one. That's the devil. That's why there's sin, there's sickness, there's disease. That's why there's war, pestilence, prejudice, every bad thing you can think of. That's why it's there. That's why it's in this world today. Now, in Mark's gospel, the ninth chapter, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's there with Peter, James, and John. And he left the nine disciples down at the foot of the mountain. And while he's up on the mountain, a man comes whose son is having seizures. The disciples minister to the boy, but there's no relief. There's no healing. There's no deliverance. 
And Jesus comes down, this is Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Now, all sickness and disease is not a demon. Right? Many are very natural. But sometimes a, a disease can be a spirit. Uh, when the Bible talks about demon spirits, it is not placating in ignorant ancient people. Right? There are really angels and there are real demon spirits. And sometimes demon spirits cause disease, as in this case. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at the teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell down on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. How many of you have ever seen a person have a seizure? I mean, it can be a pretty scary thing, right? Literally, they'll fall down. They're, they're biting their tongue. A lot of times saliva is coming out of their mouth. Their eyes kind of like roll back in their head, right? Now, apparently... When this man brought his boy to the disciples, the same thing happened as when this spirit saw Jesus, right? And when they saw what they saw, right, it shook him up, right? So he said to the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And he often, he throws him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And help us. So this man, like many people today, all right, they say, God, you know, take care of this. God, do something, right? Now, here's what I want you to notice. Jesus does not accept responsibility. We try to put everything on God, right? But Jesus won't take that. What Jesus says to the man is this. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Right? So, so often we want to just say, hey, God, take care of this. God, do this. God, do that. You know, we pray, Lord, if it be your will, which, by the way, is just a badge of unbelief. Right? Faith begins where you know the will of God. You cannot come in faith if you don't know what God's will is. Right? So the, the, the man here tries to put the responsibility on Jesus for healing his son. And Jesus puts it right back on him and said, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him who believes. The father immediately cries out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Now, for years, this is what I thought. If I have faith, I don't have unbelief. And if I have unbelief, I don't have faith. Right? But this man said, I do have faith, but I also have unbelief. Right? Now, Jesus goes to, to his hometown of Nazareth. Right? This is in Mark chapter 6. The, the, the parallel account is in Luke chapter 4. And he goes there. He preaches a sermon in the synagogue. Right? And then Jesus said, this is what happened here, according to Mark. 
Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there, except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So Jesus is anointed with healing power. But when he went to Nazareth, he could. Not he wouldn't. The Bible says he couldn't do a mighty work there. Not because of his unbelief, but because of their unbelief. So Jesus says to this man, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Now, here's the good thing, especially for someone who's new in the kingdom of God. Uh, You can have somebody else hook up with you, so to speak, in the spiritual realm and pull with you, all right, and believe with you, right, and uh, get results that you would not get all by yourself. But if, if you have faith over here and you have an equal amount of unbelief over here, they're pulling on each other and you get no place, all right? So this man acknowledges, I do have faith, right? But I also have unbelief, right? And Jesus did not rebuke him for having unbelief, right? Jesus came along inside and helped him, right? And so what Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, immediately the father of the child cried out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, command you, come out of him and enter no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Now, the main thing I want you to to see here is this. The disciples ministered to the boy, and the boy was not healed. A lot of people would say, well, I've prayed for nothing happened. Must not be God's will. No, it was God's will the whole time. But Jesus came, and he's perfect theology. He showed us exactly what the will of God is. And he brought healing to this boy, right? It's God's will for healing every time, every time, every time, right? Jesus marveled because their unbelief kept the anointing of God that was on him from bringing healing to people in Nazareth. In Matthew chapter eight, it says, when evening had come, they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirit with the word and healed all that were sick. Now, notice there were cases where there was a demonic spirit involved. And there were other cases where it was simply healing. Right? Some cases was demonic spirit. Some cases it was healing. Didn't matter which it was. Jesus brought healing, brought deliverance, brought soundness to the situation. Right? Now, the disciples come to Jesus and say, why couldn't we cast that spirit out? And what Jesus said, because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief, right? So, so often people think, I just need more faith. You probably have enough faith. It's just that the unbelief is pulling, 
pulling against your faith. All right? So God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It is very important that we realize that sickness does not come from God. Sickness never comes from God. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, which, by the way, is the curse of the law. Now, Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. But in the curse of the law, sickness is literally called a curse. And by the way, what sicknesses are mentioned, I'm going to probably hit on this tonight. We're going to minister on healing again tonight. But it actually says towards the end of the chapter, I think it's verses 63 and 64. It says also every sickness and every disease that's not written. So it's all the sicknesses that are written and all the sicknesses that are not written. So how many of you know if you got all of them that are and all of them that aren't, that's all of them. Okay. All of them are called a curse, not a blessing, right? In uh, Job chapter 24, God heals Job. And this is what the Bible says. He turned his captivity, right? Sickness is called captivity, right? In Luke 13, we're going to look at it in just a moment. Jesus brings healing to a woman, and just is what Jesus said, whom Satan has bound. Whom Satan has bound. He calls sickness bondage, not a blessing, right? And again, in Acts 10, 38, Jesus healed all oppressed of the devil. It's referred to as oppression. Now, one time in the entire Bible is sickness called a blessing. Not one time, all right? So Luke chapter 13 and verse 10, now he, that's Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. Now, this woman is bent over. And if the doctor had been there, um, he might have said that that she had curvature of the spine. Um, He might have diagnosed it in some other way and would have been perfectly accurate. That was the natural diagnosis. But there was a spiritual diagnosis, and the spiritual diagnosis was the cause, right? It was a spirit of infirmity, right? And by the way, um, often when there's a spirit of infirmity, it's like the person can just never get healed. If there's problems in one area of their body and there's healing there, it just moves over to another part of the body, right? If it's a spirit. So she had this spirit of infirmity for 18 years. Now, she knew something was wrong. She had no idea what the problem, what the real root cause of the problem was. She could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said, Woman, you are loosed of your infirmity. And then he laid his hands on her. So first he spoke. And then he laid his hands on her. Right? The, the, the speaking was a declaration of what was to happen. But when he laid his hands on her, there's two things that happen, are supposed to happen with the laying on of hands. Number one is it is a point of contact to release your faith. At some point, you have to stop saying, I'm going to get healed and say, I am healed. I receive, right? Laying on of hands, right? And then oftentimes with laying on of hands, there is a transfer of anointing, right? In Jesus' case, when he laid his hands on this woman, that healing power 
that was in him flowed into that woman, right? The law of contact and transmission. When there's an anointing, it's transmitted through the laying on of hands. So he laid his hands on her and immediately she made straight and she glorified God. Now, when, when Jesus began to minister and began to minister and confront the devil, this is what they said. They said, what new doctrine is this? That he even commands unclean spirits and they obey him, right? Now, in the Old Testament, nobody did that. They did not have the authority to do that, right? But now in Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter, Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. And the list begins with, they will cast out devils or demons, right? Now, this isn't something for pastors and evangelists. This is something for every believer. Every believer has authority in Jesus' name to cast out demons, all right? And by the way, the list ends with they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You say, who's that for? That's for you. That's for you. That is for every believer. Immediately, she's made straight when Jesus lays his hands on her. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, doesn't each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, think of it, 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Now, notice Jesus said healing, she ought to be healed because she is a daughter of Abraham. That's why. Now you say, well, I'm, I'm not Jewish. That's all right. Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, I'm your Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, right? She was the seed of Abraham. You're the seed of Abraham. If you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, healing belonged to her. It belongs to you. She ought to be healed. You ought to be healed because in Christ, you are Abraham's seed, right? That's why you ought to be healed. Satan can't keep you bound because healing belongs to you. Now, here's the thing. You've got to take it. It's not going to just fall on you, right? You say, why? Because the thief, the devil comes to steal, to kill and to destroy and he, how many of you know, a thief doesn't have any right in your house. But if he can break in and you let him stay, he will. And he'll take everything that he possibly can. And that is a picture of the devil, right? You ought to be healed. But Satan, if you'll let him, he'll keep you bound. But you tell him to go, he's got to go. He's got to go. You believe that? He has got to go. Right? Again, healing is the will of God. Sickness, it's a curse. It's captivity. It's bondage. It's oppression. Never, not one time is it referred to as a blessing. In Psalms 145, verses 8 and 9, it says, The Lord is gracious 
He is full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. I've heard people say that miracles, the days of healing, the days of miracles have passed. I think it's, but never have I heard anybody say the day of mercy's passed. His mercy, it's over all of his works. In Psalms 136, the, the whole psalm is about his mercy. Verse 1 says it this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy. It endures for forever. And by the way, the word mercy there is the Hebrew word hased. And it, it, it means more than mercy. It actually means covenant love and mercy. Covenant love and mercy. Well, they had a covenant based on Abraham. But the Bible says that you and I have a better covenant because of Jesus' blood. Right? And just like his covenant mercy endured forever then, his covenant mercy endures forever now. In fact, that whole chapter goes through and talks about all the things that happen as a result of that covenant mercy, covenant love that God had for them. He has the same covenant love and mercy for us. Isaiah 30, verse 18, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. Now, the Bible tells us in Philippians that Jesus has been exalted, that his name is above every name of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. Well, the reason it tells us here that he has been exalted is to have mercy, mercy. So Luke chapter 8 says this, verse 35, and then it happened as he, Jesus, was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by and he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed him. Now, when he asked for mercy, what was he asking for? Healing. He was asking for healing mercy. The New Testament tells us that God is the father of mercies. One of the mercies of God is healing mercy, right? And just like this man received that healing mercy, it's for you and for me. The Bible tells us that his mercy is over all his works, right? It's over all of his works. And uh, it's, it's not just for Old Testament It's for us today. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies, his healing mercy. They're over all his works. Well, I'm going to ask everybody to stand up.
And this morning, what uh, we we want to obey Mark chapter sixteen, which says, "Lay hands on the sick, and they will recover." Now, I, I want to talk about what's, what we're going to do here for just a moment. Right? What most people want, right, is they want a miracle. They want instantaneous. Boom. It happens. And it does sometimes happen like that. All right. But when the Bible says they will recover, that's a process. Right. Hands are laid on someone. And from that point on, you believe and you continue to get better. James chapter five says the same thing. It says, and the Lord will raise them up. Right. A process. Uh, sometimes things are instantaneous, but most of the time it's a process, right? And we keep keep believing the power of God's working in our bodies, right? And healing is manifesting. Healing is manifesting. It's necessary to keep your faith turned on. So we're going to lay hands on people in just a moment, right? Now, different things can happen, right? Again, the laying out of hands is a point of contact, and you believe at that point. I receive. I'm no longer going to get it. I receive it. I receive it right now. Remember, Jesus said to pray and believe that you receive them when you pray. You believe you receive when you pray. And then he said, you will, future tense, have them. So it's a point of contact, right? But more than a point of contact, at times, through the laying on of hands, the Spirit of God will manifest, right? So somebody might begin to cry. I've seen people laugh. I've seen people shake. Sometimes somebody will fall down. Um, if you fall down, it doesn't mean you received healing more than somebody who didn't fall down. It's just the way that the Spirit of God is moving and manifesting. And somebody said, "Well, that's that's weird." All right. Well, then Jesus must be weird. Right? Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Pharisees have sent a cohort of soldiers. Now that's a tenth of a legion, right? So that's at least six hundred soldiers. And uh, Jesus said, "Who are you looking for?" And they said, "Jesus of Nazareth." And Jesus said, "I am He." And the power of God hit every one of them. At the Bible says, every one of them fell backward. The power of God hit them; they fell backward. In Acts chapter ten, Peter is praying, and the Bible says that he fell into a trance. Right? Sometimes people say they got slain in the spirit, but literally the biblical word would be they fell into a trance. Right? In the Old Testament, the priests are in the temple. The, the Bible says the Shekinah glory, the glory of God fills the temple and the priests can't stand. They're on the floor. Right? Uh, so there are times when that happens. All right? um, if you, if, I don't even know if they're going to, you, if you're watching close, you may notice, you know, from time to time, I will breathe on somebody. You say, why would you do that? Well, because Jesus did. All right? in, in John chapter 20, Jesus said to his disciples, he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Now, did they receive when he did that? You know, it, it is, it is a, one of the ways that the Spirit of God and the anointing of God is released. So I just wanted to explain that because somebody who's, who does not, who's never been around that might go, wow, that's all, that's all strange. Right? I just want you to know it's all in the New Testament. Right? It's in the Bible. Right? So what we're going to do is this. If, if you'd like to have hands laid on you this morning, I want to ask you to just come forward. Right? And we are going to 
pray a general prayer, right? Now, here's what Jesus did. Remember Luke chapter 13. He spoke and then he laid hands on him. So we're going to pray and we're going to speak and then we're going to come by and we're going to lay hands on people, right? When uh, Peter is, is uh, going to raise Dorcas from the dead, the Bible says he turns away, he prays, right? Then he turns around and he lays hands on her, all right? So, so it's, it's, it's the releasing of what's spoken and what is prayed through the laying on of hands. All right. Well, those that are not coming forward, I want you to lift, kind of extend your hand. And if you're up front, um, we're going to pray a prayer. But then I just want you to stay in an attitude of worship. Right? Um, sometimes people are just waiting and they're just like, no, you need to stay in an attitude of worship. Right? Well, Father, we thank you that you reveal yourself to us as the Lord who heals us. The Lord, our physician. We thank you for the benefits of being in Christ, that you forgive all our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases. We thank you that Jesus himself bore our sicknesses, carried our pains, and by his stripes, his bruises, healing was purchased for us. And we thank you that we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness out from under Satan's domain. And you've taken and you've placed us into the kingdom of the son of your love, into the kingdom of God. Sickness and disease are trespassing on God's property. You have no right in any of these bodies. And we bind you in Jesus' name. And we command you, loose these people. Loose them. In Jesus' name, we speak to cancer. We command you, go! Arthritis, go! Heart problems, go! In Jesus' name. Sickness and disease, we give you no place. You're trespassing. And we command you to go in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we say come. Come, come minister to your people. Lord, we thank you for the healing power of God flowing in their bodies from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, bringing health, healing, soundness, deliverance. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.